WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. Well, well, well. What a day it's going to be. The Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup, and you might not like it right now. But wait till next year when the Pens and Caps play in the regular season. And wait till they play in the playoffs, which is inevitable. It's going to be absolutely electric. Off the charts, not so. It's going to be fun. I had very mixed emotions last night. I respect Alex Ovechkin. He is a worthy winner, although I hated that pre-game crap he pulled with Flurry. Grow up, for God's sake. I hated seeing Tom Wilson win it, and he'll get his one of these days. Barry Trotz is a weird case. As of July 1st, he's a free agent, as is John Carlson, Washington's top defenseman. Orpik had a great playoff. I'm happy for him. But mostly, I don't like that someone else won it, which makes next year electric, like I said. This is the Mark Madden Show. My God, when did suicide become a fad? That's depressing. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call, or follow me on Twitter, at MarkMaddenX. If you want the best hockey talk anywhere, you got it at 315. I'll be joined by Pierre Maguire, the man between the benches, on NBC Sports. Okay, here's the basic questions for today's show. What does winning the Stanley Cup do for Ovechkin's legacy? He's not yet one of the top five players ever, and he still doesn't compare to Sid. But I'd go top ten, top ten non-goalies in the history of hockey. Ovi scores a ton of goals, and that's valuable currency, even more so today when goal scoring is down. And Ovi's going to get the 800 career goals. He's at 607 right now. He's going to be number two all time behind Gretzky. Like Mike Pursuta said this morning on DVE, Ovechkin is one of just six players to win the Stanley Cup, the Conn Smythe as playoff MVP, the league MVP, the goal scoring title, and the scoring title. Besides Ovi, it's Jean Beliveau, Guy Lafleur, Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky, and Sidney Crosby. That's pretty big, and that's pretty good company. Okay, here's another question. Do we have to say Ovi is now the greatest Russian hockey player in NHL history? I'm talking just based on playing in the NHL. Not Harlamov or Mikhailov or Yeltsin or those guys. Fatisov wasn't in the NHL in his prime. Is Ovi the greatest Russian NHLer ever? You can make a strong argument for Malkin, but all those goals by Ovi, like I said, that's very strong currency, and Ovi ripped up the final. We will compare the stats of Ovechkin and Malkin in detail later in the show, but right now I'd like your response, Kyle, 412-333-WXDX. So another hockey season is over. And I get older and closer to death. So there's a good sign. Flurry did not have a good final. There's no way to say he did. Flurry had a great season and a great playoff, and he clinched going to the Hockey Hall of Fame someday. 
but Flurry did not have a good final. That Eller goal to win it was a nightmare. You've got to absorb that puck. Flurry's goals against in the final was 4.1, and he could not make the big save. This is belaboring a point, but you know I got to. Matt Murray played better in his two Stanley Cup finals than Marc-Andre Fleury did in this one. I don't know what to make of the Vegas story now that it's over and they lost in the final. It's amazing that an expansion team won the division and won three rounds of the playoffs and made the Stanley Cup final. But in that final, Vegas looked like an expansion team. They finally ran out of momentum and out of energy and hit a wall. They were utterly and thoroughly outclassed. It's a great story, but not a happy ending. And a happy ending is usually easy to get in Las Vegas. I didn't watch the cup presentation. I guess some girl flashed her boobs. TJ Oshie had a nice moment with his dad, who has Alzheimer's. Oshie's still a douche. Ovechkin gave the cup to Backstrom first and then skated with him. Everybody tries to find something unique, poetic, or meaningful with the cup presentation and subsequent skate, but really, they're all the same. A bunch of guys skate with a trophy, and then everybody gets drunk. I'm really curious to see what Trotz will do, because Washington didn't give him an extension. He won as a lame duck coach, which is amazing. Trotz feels hard done by. And they probably won't repeat without Carlson, so why stick around if you're trots? But still, it'll be better than coaching, say, the New York Islanders. And I bet the Caps throw mucho dinero with trots until he agrees to stay. Carlson's gone. He's going to get huge money somewhere, and it won't be Washington. You watch, I bet it's Vegas. I bet John Carlson is playing for Vegas next season. And... I bet Vegas struggles to make the playoffs next year. Vegas did great, but a lot of guys had fluky career best seasons, and that won't repeat. So hockey's done, but we're still going to talk about it. 412333WXDX. The Vegas sports books were overjoyed tonight's loss. At one point, the futures odds on Vegas winning the Cup were as high as 500 to 1. Had Vegas won the cup, it would have cost the sports books in Vegas between 5 and $7 million. That's a lot to lose in one fell swoop. I'm going to wait and go over the Vegas odds for next year's Stanley Cup winner. That's right, they're already posted, and you can already get a bet down. Here in Pennsylvania pretty soon, too, I'm thinking. Up next... He is the voice of hockey on national television, the man between the benches. From NBC Sports, is former Penguins assistant coach and scout, Pierre Maguire. Pierre, just around the corner here on 105.9. X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double whammy, what's up? In and out like the psychotic version of the hokey pokey. Mark, you are super genius. I know. The X at 105.9. That was great with Pierre, right? Best hockey talk in town. Pierre's the best hockey guy on TV, too. I have uh, my druthers about some of the other guys on NBC. But Pierre knows hockey. He's great, thinks on his feet between the benches. 
and is a great representative for the game, and it's always a pleasure to have him on. Capitals won the Cup, and if you're a Penguins fan, you shouldn't begrudge Capitals fans celebrating. Remember what it was like for you last year and the year before, but if you're a Capitals fan, don't feel like you can stick into Pittsburgh's face. I've seen some of that. Pittsburgh still has five cups the Washington's won, and Crosby is still better than Ovechkin. Let's see what happens next year. Let's see if Washington can do it again or even come close. If this is a one-off for the Caps, it's still great, and it's a lot of fun, but it's still a one-off. Uh, Oshie's interview about his dad was great. His dad suffering from Alzheimer's. This is a, a great moment for father and son, but I still don't like Oshi. He's a very dirty player, but whines when he gets payback. Holtby said it was a bummer having to talk to the media after winning. Listen, kid, it's a lot better than doing it after losing. Although I will say it's a weird, I don't know if I'd call it tradition, but after the Cups presented, the media is a lot on the ice. And guys stay out there and do media for like an hour. If if a happy medium could be reached where the media gets out there, but it's a maximum of like half an hour so the guys can get in the dressing room and get drunk off their ass, I would be for that. I would understand that as a working member of the media. That said, one of my best memories of my life, let alone career, was when the Penguins won the Cup in 09, and I was out there every minute on the ice. And I remember standing at center ice, shaking hands with Mario, and I'm thinking, how did I get here? This is just incredible. But then when I went to the dressing room, the media got kicked out, which is, you know, as it should be. I, I do get that. Uh, you know it was incredible? That pass from Backstrom to Ovi for that power play goal. A perfect saucer pass over a bunch of sticks, through a bunch of legs, and right on the tape, Clinical finish by Ovechkin. That was part of quite a series of events. Vegas had just scored to make it 1-1. Vegas took a penalty 11 seconds later, and Washington scored. The OV goal I'm talking about, that was just 23 seconds after the penalty, and Vegas scored 162 seconds after that. Vegas scored late in the second and took a 3-2 lead into the break, but got zero going in the third period. Really zero going in the series. Uh, Washington won in five, and deservedly so. Vegas didn't merit taking the series any longer. It really is like they hit a wall. And like Pierre and I discussed, Washington's strategy in making the one extra pass to catch Flurry being too aggressive, it worked to charm. Uh, that's partly on Mark. It's partly on the defenseman for puck watching instead of picking up men and thwarting the extra pass. That said, some of those passes, like the Backstrom dime I was just talking about, how are you going to stop that? 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I got to say, I love all the photos of Ovi with the cup. You don't often see anybody that happy about anything. And it's so raw because... There's a lot of relief mixed in, too. Like when him and Backstrom, when Ovi handed off the cup, they both said, finally, 
You could clearly see them saying that, finally. And it really did take a while. I'm getting some tweets saying Trotz will stay, Carlson's going to stay. I don't know. Barry Trotz, the coach, felt very badly wronged by the Caps not giving him a contract extension before the season. That said, if they throw a ton of money at him, I, I think they might convince him. Carlson, I, I don't know what they can afford to give him under the cap with Ovi signed and Backstrom signed and Oshie signed. That Oshie money they maybe should have saved for Carlson, but 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 no, how can I say that when they won the cup this year? But when Carlson leaves, that really will take a big chunk out of the Capitals and a big chunk out of their chances to repeat next year. Got a great remainder of the show. It's been really good so far, and I, I usually hate my show. John Steigwald, the king of old school, will join me at 415. And we're going to discuss, and, and I'll preface this with my monologue at 4 o'clock. Do you have to win a championship to be considered among the greatest of all time? Because uh, Dan Marino never won a championship, but I feel very confident in saying he was a better quarterback than Tom Brady or Joe Montana, but Dan Marino isn't in that discussion despite having the big numbers and definitely passing the eye test because he never won a Super Bowl. So I'll talk about that at 4 o'clock, and John Steigerwald will join me at 4.15 to discuss further. Also, here's something we've got to find out from, from Stag. I just got the schedule of concerts for Jurgles up in Warrendale. Great concert venue, one of so many in, in the city. Great music town, Pittsburgh. On October 17th, Jurgles is scheduled to host Kingdom Come, who have not performed in years, and whose Glory Days lineup included the fourth Steigerwald brother, Dan Steigerwald, known as Danny Stag in uh, the rock and roll business. And on the Kingdom Come website, Wenny Wolf, the singer, says, there is no Kingdom Come and never will be again. So what version of Kingdom Come is this if John Steigerwald could shed some light? That may really be the big revelation from his appearance at 415. If you don't remember Kingdom Come, they put out a song called Get It On that sounded so much like Zeppelin in the heyday. Some people thought it was Zeppelin uh, formulating a secret comeback. Uh, do, do we have that riff? Let, let's play the opening of Get It On by Kingdom Come. I believe that was in the late 80s. They were on the Monsters of Rock tour based on this song with Van Halen and Metallica. Okay, that's enough of that. You get the idea. Well, no, let's hear the singer a little bit. Okay, we cut it off. The hell with it. But, but it's definitely a Zeppelin knockoff, and that's Dan Steigerwald on the guitar. Really great guitarist. He put together a demo tape uh, with a guy named Jonathan Edwards. 
who was briefly the singer in Foreigner, uh, in between Lou Graham stints way back when. And uh, the group was called Royal Jelly. And they were just tremendous. And they never got a deal, or if they did, it was a small independent deal. I, I still got the cassette, the cassette, floating around somewhere. Uh, by the way, one other note on the Capitals coaching situation. If uh, Barry Trotz would take leave, the job would likely go to his top assistant, Todd Reardon, a former assistant coach here in Pittsburgh and uh, just a great hockey mind and a real good guy, too. I'd, I'd love to see Todd get a crack at the job, but I still think you got to just throw a ton of money at Barry Trotz and get him to stay. There isn't any salary cap on what you can pay the coach. Uh, let me real quick go over the odds. Vegas has odds out already on next year's Stanley Cup winner. They certainly don't wait long to, to, to move forward, do they? Tampa Bay is 9-1. to one. They're the favorite. I don't see it. Uh, they really disappointed in that series with Washington, blowing the three games to two lead. And I think there's going to be a big shakeup down there. I, I have heard too many rumors about them signing Tavares and trading Kucherov to, to, to believe that that's going to at least be attempted. Four teams are 10-1, to 1, Boston, Toronto, Vegas, and Winnipeg. I think Vegas is going to backslide and will struggle to make the playoffs. They'll be good, just not nearly as good. Boston still acts depth. I do like Winnipeg. And I don't get Toronto at 10-1. to 1. I guess they figure Toronto gets Tavares or another big-time free agent. What the Leaf really need to do is go out and get two, maybe three, possibly four NHL-caliber defensemen. Because when the good brother Ron Hainsey at 37 is playing 23 minutes, you need help. The good brother's still pretty good, but he's 37. They need help at the blue line. Pittsburgh and Nashville, 11 to 1, not a bad spot to beat. Washington is 14 to 1 because Carlson and the Trots are probably out. Edmonton is 18 to 1. Their ninth favorite to win the Stanley Cup after not even making the playoffs this past season. Hey, yo, boy wonder. Try just making the playoffs first or maybe beat Switzerland if you can. 412-333-9939. Today's show is flying. We're going to replay the Pierre Maguire interview at 5.30. A lot of people saying they missed it and want to hear it. And ordinarily, you might think that that's so I can leave early and go to Conneaut Lake where I am headed. Except I'm going to stay to do Ask Mark anything afterwards. It won't be taped, so... We are merely super-serving you, the fan. I'm going to talk about a moment in last night's Stanley Cup final, which just was totally insane, and it could have been a lot worse. Think about it. I bet when I tell you what it was, you'll say, oh, yeah, he's right. That's up next, 105.9. Now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, hey. Hey, what's going on, Mark? Hi. Super genius. It's a good buddy. Ask shit, bro. Ask your BMW. Woo! VX at 105.9. Let's welcome now the man between the benches on NBC. Nobody knows more hockey, and nobody talks it better. He is Pierre McGuire. Uh, Pierre, welcome. Uh, it was a short Stanley Cup final, but it was very eventful, wasn't it? It sure was, Mark, and it's really nice to visit with you and your listeners. Fantastic event. Even though it was a five-game series, I think outside of game four, every game had a ton of drama to it. Now, what happened before the game between 
Ovechkin and Flurry. Uh, that was odd to say the least. Was it maybe tongue in cheek? Uh, no, that's something that was going on right from the start of the series. Uh, Mark Andre stretches right there in front of where I watched the warm up, and Alex always skates through the neutral zone at a certain time in the warm up. And for whatever reason, the timing is really similar. Um, early on, it wasn't nearly as serious. It got more pronounced as the series went along. And I think Flurry had just been fed up with it. Ovechkin was actually smiling about it. You know, it's gamesmanship more than anything else. It wasn't anything really nasty or dirty. But I will say this. Mark andre got him with a pretty good slash. <laughs> now, now, staying with Flurry, he did not play his best in the final, Pierre. Why did Mark andre falter? I don't think it's as much of him faltering, Mark, as it was the team around him ran out of gas. Um, they were life and death to beat that team from Washington, and a big reason why, there were two actually. One, they couldn't match the center ace depth uh, of Washington. When you look at, at Kenny Kuznetsov, Nicholas Backstrom, Lars Eller, uh, and Jay Beagle, they had nothing like that. You know, you, you look at um, where they were uh, down the middle, and William Carlson, their top point getter, 43-goal scorer this past year, was not nearly 100%. So that was one reason why the center ice depth. So that exposed a lot of the defense shortcomings of uh, Vegas. And the other thing was the game breakers. Backstrom's a game breaker. Ovechkin's a game breaker. And Kuznetsov's a game breaker. They didn't have that on the other side. So those two things really made uh, Vegas's defense look a little bit shoddy. And it exposed Mark Andre. It wasn't really Mark Andre's fault. It was more the defense than it was his. I agree. I will say I think Washington played to Mark Andre's one weakness, which is if you make that one extra pass and it's on the money, you can kind of catch him out, can't you? Very good point and very fair. The one thing that he improved this year, and I watched a ton of their games uh, in Vegas, was he was more anchored in net, and that was David Pryor, the goalie coach, who did a really good job taking some of the athleticism out of his game and putting more technique into his game. So your point is well taken, Mark, and it's really legit, but the difference was in the final, it started in game one, he wasn't great, but he found a way to win. In game two, it was a real tight game, and, and probably the turning point of the series was uh, Braden Holtby save on Alex Tuck with less than a minute and 20 seconds to go in the third period. If that goes in, who knows where the series is. But I would say that as the series went along, Mark andre got out of the anchored and technical part of his game and more into the athletic part of his game. Ovechkin was brilliant in the final, Pierre, and a very worthy MVP. Where does Ovi now stand among the game's all-time greats? Uh, he'll be right up there, and more than anything else, it's not so much about the all-time great players. He will have to be considered one of the all-time great scorers in the history of the sport, and I think that fits into being one of the all-time great players. Um, he's been phenomenal. You know, you think about it, Mark, the numbers don't lie. He, he's won three um, Hart trophies as most valuable player, He's won the Calder Trophy as Rookie of the Year. He's won seven Rocket Richard trophies, seven, Mark, seven times in his career he's been the NHL's, NHL's leading goal scorer. That's unbelievable. Um, and he had 49 goals this year to lead again. So you look at it, I mean, his, his numbers in the, the postseason accolades, now he's a consummate trophy, he's a Stanley Cup winner. Um, he's going to be considered one of the all-time greats. But I will say this, he will go down – as one of the all-time scorers, best scorers of all time. 
Where did Kuznetsov come from? I mean, we knew he was a good player, Pierre, but these playoffs were the best hockey that man's ever played. Really rarefied air. Well, he's always been a special player, and I go a long way back with him. He's from Chelyabinsk in Russia, the same hometown that produced Sergei Gonchar, who was a first-round pick of the Washington Capitals and obviously a Stanley Cup winner with Pittsburgh, both as a player and as a coach. Um, but they know each other well. He just turned 26. He was born in the middle part of May 1992, so when Pittsburgh won its second cup. Um, but the biggest thing I can tell you about Kuznetsov, if you go back to the 2011 World Junior, Mark, uh, he played on a line uh, that dominated Canada, and it was maybe the largest meltdown in World Junior history for Canada. Uh, Panarin and Tarasenko were his line mates, Panarin from Columbus and Tarasenko from St. Louis. But he was the best player on that line. And a lot of people thought he would make the biggest impact in the NHL immediately. It took him a little longer than the other guys. But man, oh man, is he good. The Capitals were very emotional in the finals. And they're an emotional team in the first place. Sometimes it works against them, Pierre. How did they harness that emotion so well in these finals? Oh, so many different ways. And what a great question. What a really good question. Because I've been around that team so much over the years. I've coached against them and, and seen their heart be broken, uh, both when I was coaching and when I was broadcasting. And they were very emotional. I think the thing that was the bellwether for them was getting through Columbus when they were down 0-2 and winning in double overtime in Game 3 and finding a way to win Game 6 in Pittsburgh uh, without Baxter and without Tom Wilson. Those two moments, I think, galvanized the team beyond belief, and the emotion kind of went away, and it became a real positive thing and a real confidence builder. But I, I think that question is so fair and so good because everybody overlooks that part of it. They just take it for granted. Oh, well, they won the cup, and you know they won because they had better players. No, they had to go through some serious trials and tribulations. Devontae Smith-Pelly was great, got some big goals, and he kind of typified the bottom of that Caps lineup, didn't he? He did, Mark. You know, the biggest thing, and Ray Shiro's a dear friend. He was in New Jersey, Devontae Smith-Pelly, before he found his way to Washington. Uh, he was bought out by New Jersey. They just didn't think he would fit into what they were trying to do. New Jersey actually liked him. They thought he was a good player. Devontae was a tremendous junior player in the Ontario Hockey League. In Anaheim, they thought he'd be a top-six forward. It never materialized, so they got frustrated with him. He went to Montreal. That didn't work out. That was a failed experiment. New Jersey was hot and cold. He goes into Washington, and rather than playing with top six minutes, they're playing him with bottom six minutes, but he's playing with a centerman in Jay Beagle, who's so underrated and underappreciated. And you can speak to this, Mark. You remember when Pittsburgh had Malkin, Crosby, Cullen, and Benino. Anybody that was playing on the fourth line with Matt Cullen, that was a treat. That was a bonus. Well, it's the same thing when you play with Jay Beagle in Washington. Will we ever see a story like the Vegas Golden Knights again, Pierre, an expansion team? It was really the perfect storm and just so much fun for the whole world to witness, really. Well, we're going to have expansion again soon. <laughs> we're going to we're going to have Seattle pretty soon, Mark. I would say within two years. Um, I don't know who the manager will be. I don't know how, what the draft rules will be, but I know they're going to pay more money to get into the league than Vegas did, which was half a billion dollars. Um, I don't know if we'll get the same story. But one of the things I think we'll get out of Vegas's run, we'll get a different style of play and a different philosophy when it comes to building teams from a lot of teams around the league. And that will say get speed, get skill, get guys that can compete. Don't pay attention to as much with analytics. Pay attention to boots on the ground scouting. Look for heart. Look for character. Look for coachability. Those are things that matter, and that's how Vegas, Vegas basically built their team this way, Mark. 
You had to be quick, you had to be coachable, and you had to have character. If you had those three things, you had a chance to play for them. I think you need a number one level defenseman to win in this league, Pierre. Where will that leave the Capitals if John Carlson departs via free agency? That'll be a problem. But the one thing in Pittsburgh fans, will I know there's a love-hate relationship with the player because of what's gone on with Ian Crosby. Matt Niskanen's really good. Matt Niskanen was a really good Penguin, and he's been a very good Capital. And he and Dmitry Arloff were outstanding together. Probably the most underrated part of the Capitals team. They'll miss Carlson's point, and they'll miss his presence on the power play. No question about that. Um, but again, a lot of people wrote them off when they lost Shattenkirk, when they lost Schmidt, when they lost Alsner, when they lost Marcus Johansson, when they lost Justin Williams. They lost five players last year, five of them, with no return at all, zero. Um, and a lot of people wrote them off, and they found a way to do it. What's going to happen with Barry Trotz? His contract's up. He won as a lame duck. Don't the Capitals just have to throw money at Barry till he says yes? <laughs> I'll tell Barry you said that. He'll be so happy. Um, you would think that they would be wanting to do that. I just don't know the direction they're going to go. If Barry does not get retained, uh, I would have to imagine that he won't be unemployed for long. Uh, and you wouldn't want to be an established coach in the league that's got a team that's underachieving because all it takes is one owner and one general manager to say, this guy just won the cup, let's go get him. I don't sense the Capitals repeat next year, Pierre. Don't get me wrong. I think they'll be right there. But it feels to me like the league's going to be up for grabs more than ever. What say you? Uh, I would say that the league will be up for grabs, and that's not a knock at all or to take anything away from the celebration that's justified and really well-earned in Washington. But if you look at Tampa, a team that Washington took seven games to beat, they're going to be much improved. They have a plethora of young players coming through their system, Mark. Uh, if you look at the Florida Panthers, you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, you look at the Columbus Blue Jackets, you look at the Boston Bruins, you look at the Philadelphia Flyers, and I haven't even mentioned Toronto yet. Um, you've got, and I haven't mentioned New Jersey yet, the problem is you've got teams in the East that are peaking at the right time, they're trending upwards, and that's a problem. That's a problem for Washington. If they were in the West, I think they'd be in better shape than being in the East. Do you sense a big move by the Penguins this offseason, or maybe just... A little move or two. I, no, I get the sense that they're going to go big game hunting. I really get the sense that they're going to go big game hunting. I think they know they need to solidify their center ice position. For whatever reason, um, Derek Broussard wasn't the right fit for that team, I didn't think, and I think they probably felt the same way, whereas Riley Sheehan was a really good fit for that team. So they need to find one more center that can really elevate. Um, but I, I would say that I wouldn't be surprised to see them go big game hunting at all. Pierre, great stuff. Thank you for all your help all season, your great work on NBC. Have a safe and healthy summer. We'll see you soon, I hope. Mark, it's always a pleasure to visit with you. Thank you so much, and really have a great summer. And Thanks to you and your listeners for all the great times I had in Pittsburgh. I really love going back. That is the great Pierre Maguire. I'm the not-quite-as-great Mark Madden, and the hockey talk is going to keep coming all day long. Pirates are losing again, so let's talk hockey. 105.9 The X. Here's a great tweet from the fabulous actor Michael McKean, who will not be on Better Call Saul this coming season because his character was killed in a fire, we think, in the last episode. He tweets, Greta Van Fleet is for real. Feels like rock is redeemable and reclaimable. Every so often there's a need to go back to square one and say, 
F the charts. This is what we do. I, I totally agree with that. Greta Van Fleet in town at Stage AE next month. Can't wait to see him. Although it is ironic I say that with Led Zeppelin playing in the background. Hey, they do sound like Zeppelin. I think it's organic. And let's not forget, Zeppelin sounded like Holland Wolf and Willie Dixon and a bunch of people. Everybody sounds like somebody. No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. One amazing moment last night's Stanley Cup game was when the clock went out while play was going on late in the third period. They finally got it fixed at a stoppage with 28.6 seconds left. But what if time had expired while the clock was out and the game ended before play ended and Vegas had tied it bit after time expired? Because there's no doubt that's what I was hoping for. Uh, Washington went out and partied in Vegas after. Let's be honest. Would you rather win the Stanley Cup at home or in Vegas? Between the Caps and their fans, and for that matter, Steve Mears, I wonder how many girls were sent to how many rooms. Live girls, directly to your room. 702-6969-6969. That's the phone number, I swear. That's one too many numbers, but they don't seem to be too concerned about that. There's a video of Ovi emptying some huge bottle of champagne into the cup. Uh, The cup is the only trophy you can drink from. We'll talk about that more later. You know what's going to be great? When Ovi takes the cup to Moscow and he holds it up in the air with Putin and that photograph breaks the internet. I love how people expect like Ovi and Gino to disrespect Putin. He's the leader of their country. This ain't their country. That is their country. Let's go now to Zach in Bridgeville. Zach, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Double line, what's going on, brother? What up? Uh, question for you. Um, after watching the game last night, does this make uh, Ovechkin the top Russian NHL player of all time? Because personally, I, I still like Malkin ahead of him, even though obviously Ovechkin is one of the best goal scorers in history. What are your thoughts on that? We're going to debate that a little bit later, but... Uh, Malkin stats in the regular season and playoff are slightly better. Ovi has a lot more goals, and goals are a valuable currency. People right now are going to say Ovechkin because what he did just happened. I think it's really, really tight. Uh, and I'm not sure I've reached a conclusion yet, but hopefully by later in the show, I will. Let's go to Seth in Harmer. Seth. You're on with the super genius. Good day, sir. I said good day. Uh, I heard your, your interview with Pierre, and when you guys were talking about the Pens' potential offseason plans, and, I mean, he was saying big game hunting, but maybe to sure up center, I wanted to know your thoughts if Carlson might be out of their budget or they might... Well, I think Carlson's out of their budget, and if they keep Latang, there's really no need for Carlson, is there? Not really, but I mean, just to bolster the blue line. Yeah, yeah, but but where do you put him? Okay. Yeah. Whoever is the number one defenseman, the other guy has to be the number two defenseman. You just don't need two guys like that. 
and then Schultz is on your bottom pair. There's just no need for Carlson if you keep Latang. I thought it was interesting when Pierre said that uh, Broussard's not a good fit, which implies he might be on the move. Now, if you think Riley Shane is your number three center, I disagree, but that's okay, as long as you don't put Kessel on his line, assuming you keep Kessel. Shane's good enough to be the third line center. He's not good enough to center Phil Kessel. If Shane's going to be your number three in the middle, then that and centering Kessel have to be two separate jobs. And the latter job has to go to Evgeny Malkin. Let's go to the dude in the bowling alley, the dude abiding here on 105.9 The X. What up, Double M? What up, man? Hey, so Caps won last night. Big moment for them. Alex Ovechkin getting the cup. His emotion, it was, uh, it gave me chills. He just, you know, he, he looked incredibly happy, and uh, I just wanted to know uh, your thoughts on that. Well, here's how sweet the emotion was. Tom Hamilton of Aerosmith offered to take him backstage and drink from his glass. No, it was great. I mean, here's a guy who's one of hockey's all-time greats, and he had never won. And it was obviously getting on his last nerve that he had never won. And they knew he was on a team that should have won a few times by now. Except the better team in Pittsburgh got in their way. But Pittsburgh didn't knock out Washington every year in the Ovi era. So there was such a great sense of relief when he beat Pittsburgh. And an even greater sense of relief last night. Because now, no matter what Ovi does the rest of his career, he's been validated. He's been truly validated as an all-time great. Let's go to Ed in Washington, PA. Ed, you're on with the super genius. Hey, Mark. Just wanted to ask you about the uh, your opinion on the possibility of Putin wanting to keep the Stanley Cup like he kept Robert Kraft's Super Bowl ring whenever uh, he went there back a few years back. We will go to war. He cannot keep Stanley Cup. Why am I speaking 